Hello, patriots. This is Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. Bringing you insight from outside the mainstream, I'm your host, Ryan. Today, we have a big announcement. I have the CEO of an AI company calling for regulation, the debt ceiling agreement, and Democrats calling out the DNC. Next, on Living with Liberty. This is the last Living with Liberty episode I will publish. When you do time-intensive things like cultural-slash-political podcasts as a hobby, sometimes priorities need to be realigned and choices need to be made. I have come to this exact point. This wasn't an easy decision, nor one that I took lightly, but life happens and we all have only 24 hours in a day. So we need to decide how we're going to spend them. I've been taking on more and more responsibility at work, which has led to working longer hours and using more brain power, just leaving me wiped out at the end of the day, really to the point I just need to do something mindless. I've been finding it more and more difficult to get myself motivated to do more research after having spent an entire day researching trends and solutions for my clients. And to be honest... I'm pretty close to a promotion, and I need to focus on what pays the bills. You all know I've kept this uh, free podcast. I've never asked for any money, for any support of any kind. I wanted to just keep this free and open. I didn't want anybody to feel obligated to pay for content. This is all something that we need to. I felt I needed to put out there for free. So I felt like if it grew to the point where I got sponsors, great, but I wasn't going to go solicit like a Patreon or anything like that. So it comes down to, you know, I got to focus on what pays my bills. And unfortunately, it's not this podcast. There are also some other ventures that I'm a part of and will be a part of shortly, things that will need my time and attention. I'm proud of the shows that we have put out here. I am grateful for all of you who have taken the time to listen over the past 164 episodes and this, our 165th. I've loved every minute of being a part of your day, of getting to talk to you, and I thank you for letting me be part of your podcast rotation. Now, I'm going to keep my website around, and I may work on blogging occasionally, so I'll try to keep some content coming in that aspect. Blogging is a little bit less time-intensive than producing a podcast. I think with blogging, I haven't blogged for quite a long time, actually, on my website, part of that (laughs) running out of time thing, right? only so many hours in a day, and I chose to, uh, when I have had the time, to put it into this podcast. But blogging aspect of things, it's a little less time intensive. Uh, I can research something quick, or it can be more of just, you know, throwing opinions out there too. So it's a a little bit um, freer and easier when it comes to the production aspect of things and and getting something out quickly. So I'll try and do some of that, uh, and I'm hoping I can carve out some time to do that. And if you're following me out there on social media, you know, watch for those posts. All right, on with the show today. We should probably just take the hint and be very careful and cautious when it comes to artificial intelligence. The OpenAI CEO, Sam Altman, is asking Congress for regulation and a new agency that will regulate the technology. 
this should be plenty uh, telling to individuals and businesses alike that we need to proceed with caution and utilizing things like chat, GPT, and other AI tools in everyday life. We should take the hint. If, if the creator or, or the CEO of the company that created chat GPT is out there saying we need regulations and an agency, we should probably be, probably be careful in how we're using and proceeding with AI. Now, I've already noted how Coke is plowing ahead with utilizing it for more targeted marketing. So they're not waiting. They're just going ahead. Coke said, yeah, this is great. Let's do it. And they're doing it as if the cookies and internet bots weren't intrusive enough in popping ads in our social media feeds and everywhere else 24-7. Now, Sam Altman had this to say during a hearing on Capitol Hill. He says this, GPT-4 is more likely to respond helpful, helpfully and refuse harmful requests than any other widely deployed model of similar capability. However, we think that regulatory intervention by governments will be critical to mitigate the risks of an increasingly powerful model or increasingly powerful models, excuse me. Yes, this is the exact kind of case we have that we need government for. To put common sense rules in place, I'm not saying overregulate it, but to put common sense rules in place so that something like AI can't just operate as if it's the Wild West without any rules or, or regulations. And we, you know, we see things like the robber barons of the, what was it, the late, um, uh, late 19th century, early 20th century. These are the kinds of, of uh, cases we have government for. And it's common sense. Not, you know, and we know they're going to go overboard. That's what government does. We know they'll try and go overboard. We just need some common sense rules in place around it. We need those common sense rules in place to prevent some entity, in, in this case AI, from taking advantage of us. We have to prevent AI from uh, the, or we, we have this AI that has the ability to take our information and disseminate it around the world via the internet to learn from what we put into it. We need to have protections around that. Now, what I don't agree with here is the creation of yet another agency to oversee the regulatory aspect of this. The last thing we need is another three-letter agency that will inevitably become another burden to the people's freedom and liberty. That, that's what these three-letter agents, we create them, and then they become a burden, and they try and strip our freedom and liberty. That, that's The last thing we need is another agency to do that. We all know we need to reduce the number of three-letter agencies we have. We have uh, given the consent, our consent, our consent to be governed to our officials that we elect. And we've given them that consent to create rules and regulations on our behalf. We consent them to do this, not a three-letter agency unaccountable to us voters. Yes, AI needs boundaries, and we need to have laws around them. It, we just have to, right? There's, there's too much that can go wrong. There's too much information that can be put out there that can be disseminated without anybody knowing after they had plugged something into a chat GPT. We need rules around that on what it can and cannot do, what it will be allowed and allowed uh, and not allowed to, to disseminate as far as information goes. Now, we put legislators in office to do this. We put legislators in office to oversee this stuff for us to create the rules and regulations, not to do it and then hand their responsibility off to a three-letter agency that's not accountable to the people, and that will come on Capitol Hill and lie during these congressional hearings. 
we, we don't need any more three-letter agencies. We need common sense rules. That is what we put the legislators in office to do. And we pay these clowns in Washington more than enough money. We pay them more than a living wage to get it done. So scrap the idea for a, another agency and let's just put common sense rules and regulations in place from a legislative perspective and have our actual letters, legislators who we pay 170 some thousand dollars a year plus to oversee this stuff for us. All right, moving on. Now, Mike uh, or Mike McCarthy, that's the coach of the Packers. I always think that when I when I think Kevin McCarthy, but Kevin McCarthy and Joe Biden have reached a debt ceiling deal. And it seems there's plenty of unhappiness about it all around, so that probably means it's not all that bad. I'm sure it is, but you know, it's if no nobody's happy then uh, you know, you might have something there anyway to work with and and that's um uh, somewhat good for the people, let's call it. Now, the spin from the White House is that this was a good deal that protects their so-called historic economic gains that we've made, and never mind that they continue to comp those gains against the depths of a recession during the scamdemic. And, oh, by the way, we still have an inflation problem that has ravaged everyone's budgets. It might not be as bad as it, as it was before, but we still have an inflation problem. And, oh, by the way, we are probably on the cliff here of a recession so, you know, there's the spin there from the White House that, oh, you know, it's a good deal for everybody. Trying to make themselves look good, trying to spin this as a win when you have Democrats who aren't happy about what the, the compromise had to be to get a deal done to get the debt ceiling raised. And then you have McCarthy on the other side here. Republicans not immune to spin either, saying that there's historic spending reductions and reforms that will lift people out of poverty and into the workforce and will restrain government overreach. And oh, there's no new taxes and no new government programs. Fantastic. It's about the only thing in there that's, that's uh, not spin, is that there's no new taxes and no new government programs. Great. Now, the question I have is, <laughs> is there ever not any spin on anything that comes out of Washington? Of course not. We all know the answer to that. They spin everything. It's just what they do. Just once I'd like a politician in leadership to tell it like it is, to say things that like they are instead of trying to spin it and sell it, right? If nobody's happy on this deal, it's probably okay. It's not all bad. Now there's some things we'll get into it in a minute here that have me questioning it and, and you know, makes me wonder about what they really were doing here. We'll get into that in a minute, but... I'd, I, for once, I just tell the just tell the truth, tell like it is, and it's never. You notice it's never the ones that we see being interviewed that are in positions of leadership, the ones that are out there telling it like it is. It's always your McCarthy's and and you know your Pelosi's and your Biden, who's just an abject failure at spinning anything. He's a liar, but you, you know, see right through it. But Schumer, you know, McConnell out there, everybody's spinning everything, right? Try and make it look good. Try and stay in power. Just, just tell like it is. Just say, this is the best we could do, right, given the situation. We, we had stuff in there we wanted, and we couldn't get it because there's stuff the other side wanted, and we had to, oh, dirty word, compromise. That's, that's all you have to do. Quit spinning it like you made some sort of historic agreement. It's not. And I'll show you in a minute that, you know, some of this is just absolute crap. So, We'll get into it here. Now, the debt ceiling, 
wasn't there there wasn't any real limit put on it actually it it was suspended the debt ceiling was suspended it wasn't actually limited they didn't put a hard cap on it they what happened here with with the debt ceiling is there's a suspension now that allows the treasury secretary to borrow, borrow as much money as necessary to get this pay the interest on the national debt and oh by the way some of the the programs too that's already been appropriated but the, the treasury can can borrow money to pay the interest on money we've already borrowed that that is where does anybody get this that is where we are at as a country we are borrowing money to pay the interest on money we already borrowed and we're going to just keep, continue to accumulate interest payments and par, have to borrow more and more money to pay the interest so we're going to borrow money to pay the interest on how, how does that make sense? We're going to borrow money to pay interest on money already borrowed. Don't listen to the spin here. We are going. This is all. Oh, we we've never defaulted. We're we're you know we're the United States. We've never defaulted. That was a spin. That was the whole pressure campaign from the resident. Ooh, we've never defaulted. The United States has never defaulted. And McCarthy, I think, came out and said well, we're not going to allow the country to default. Here's the deal. We continue to do this. We are going to end up defaulting at some point. It's simple math. It's simple economics. We are borrowing money to pay interest on money that's already been borrowed. We, we just keep, a, keep digging a deeper and deeper hole. This is the same thing as someone who borrows money against their house to pay their credit card interest, right? To pay the interest on their credit card bills they racked up while continuing to open and use new lines of credit. And they spend the, on that, that credit. And then they have to borrow more money to pay the, the interest on that new credit they opened up and rolled up. Eventually, you can't borrow any more money. It, it's just simple math. It's simple economics. Eventually, creditors come to a point where they look at your assets, they look at your ability to pay, and say, you don't get any more credit. We are going to end up there someday because the choices are we default or we keep printing money, which results in inflation. And we keep printing money to the point of hyperinflation. We all saw how that worked, you know, what, a year, year and a half, the 18, the last 18 months, 24 months, how well printing money is and what printing money has gotten us. Inflation. Those are the only two choices we are going to be left with. Print the money to, and just print it, fiat currency. Just everybody get out your monopoly sets and see how much cash is in there because that's about what it is at this point. You keep printing money like we do. Or you just default because you don't have the means to pay it anymore. There's only two choices here. And the, the choice is going to be because hyperinflation is, hyperinflation is an untenable position in this country, we're going to default at some point. Now, the other part of this deal on the debt ceiling is that it's just punting the debt ceiling battle down the road by 19 months. And if you're doing the math, quick math there, yes, that means to after the 2024 election. So you've got both sides that said, eh, we don't actually want to fight about this anymore. And we've got an election coming up here in an election season that's going to last the next 18 months. Let's just punt this thing down the road and you know, the next administration, next Congress, the next Senate can deal with it. Imagine that. Instead of actually making tough decisions, the corruptocrats punt the decision down the road 
and punt every decision down the road that impacts their chance at re-election. Imagine that. They didn't do what they needed to do. They didn't do the thing we elected them to do, which is to make sure that we are fiscally responsible as a country. That's part of their job description anyway. They just punt that decision. Said, we'll just suspend the debt ceiling, and the deal is the Treasury can borrow whatever they need to borrow to pay interest and to fund government programs that are already appropriated. Now, as far as the spending reductions go, the bill passed reduces non-defense discretionary spending in 2024 by about a billion dollars. No, I didn't misspeak there. It wasn't, I didn't say, I didn't say a billion meaning a trillion. The historic spending cuts that McCarthy was touting amount to a billion dollars of a $4 trillion spending plan of a $4 trillion budget. So in essence, that's pissing in the ocean. After 2025, get this, after 2025, the bill does prescribe spending targets, but they are not enforceable caps. So what does that mean? That means they don't have the, the Congress doesn't have to abide by that when they're coming up with a, a new budget. They're, they're only targets. There's no hard cap. There's no, uh, no penalty for going over them. Congress can just do what they want. It's, it's basically what the bill prescribes is what amounts to a suggestion. So, so what is the point then here? What was the whole point of this? It, it kind of sounds to me like we're not really reducing spending at all and that there will be no enforceable caps on spending, so we're not going to have any spending cuts, right? We're, what was the point of all the drama over the debt ceiling bill if nothing really is changing here? The government can keep borrowing to pay interest and cover congressionally appropriated spending. They can take the bill and say, here's the suggested spending target. Eh, we want to spend more on this and do it. There's nothing stopping them from doing that in the next budget cycles. So how about this? How about these morons get serious on both sides? The idiots on both sides get serious about cutting our debt about paying down our debt and about cutting spending by saying, yeah, we're going to cap the debt ceiling and we're not going to spend the money that was already appropriated because we actually didn't have it when we appropriated it. That would have been something historic. But no, once again, we are let down by Washington as they kick our national default down the road by, who knows, five, ten years. It's, who knows? It, it's coming, though. All right, finishing up for today. If the Democratic primary doesn't wake Democrat voters up to the fact that their party is the party of rigging elections in the favor of the DNC's preferred candidate, or, you know, Red, the globalist's preferred candidate, the Uniparty's preferred candidate, insert whatever you want there, then our republic may be done as we know it. If, if Democrats aren't waking up to this, that the that their own party is rigging an election to get a preferred outcome, then we're done. As a non, then our republic is done. We're just done. You have to recognize this here, that the, the Democrat Party it wants to rig things in their favor, and that includes rigging things in the favor within their own party. Now, don't get me wrong, Republicans do it too. We'll get into it in a little bit here. But Republicans do it too. But here, this is... The story here is specifically about the DNC rigging their primary election to help Biden get through. Because, 
Lord knows he's not going to be able to debate anybody. The guy couldn't even debate a rock at this point. Now, according to an Epic Times article titled, Marianne Williamson accuses DNC of making it easier for Biden to win nomination by Lorenz Duchamps. Williamson is speaking out here against the DNC's decision to eliminate the primary debates, which is depriving her and RFK Jr. the opportunity to go head-to-head in a battle of ideas against the resident. Now, the resident, he probably wouldn't even show up anyway, so you'd have a debate between Williamson and RFK Jr., which is just fine. We already know what we're getting from the resident. It would just be, you know, more mush-mouth mumbling and you know, turning around and walking off stage because his handlers told him, or, or I shouldn't say told him, but they wrote down on his little cheat sheet to turn around and, and walk away as soon as someone asks a question. So this this just reeks of basically election rigging. It's, it's selecting and not electing someone. Now, according to the piece, Williamson has accused the DNC of rigging the nomination process in favor of Biden on multiple occasions, arguing it should be the voters' choice whether there should be a primary or whether there should be primary debates. And she goes on saying this, the DNC should not be rigging this system. They don't even pretend anymore. They're not even covert about their swaying the primary season. They're very overt about it. So you have here someone on the Democrat side calling out the DNC for Election interference, it could be. You could construe it as that, maybe. Saying, we're not going to have debates. We've got our candidate. It's Joe Biden. He's the incumbent president. We don't care that he's historically unpopular. We don't care that he's not fit for office. We don't care that he's the dumbest president to ever grace the Oval Office. He's our guy. We're sticking by him. No debates. The deck is stacked against us, and that's that's. Republicans, Democrats, independents, everybody, the deck is stacked against us when it comes to being able to make the best decision possible in terms of our elected officials. I'm glad the Democrats are getting called out by their own for rigging elections. At this point, I am on the side of anyone willing to work to preserve the American Republic. I don't care if they're Democrat, Republican, Independent, Libertarian, you know, constitutional party, whatever. I don't care what, if they're on the side of freedom and liberty, if they're on the side of preserving our Republic, if they're on the side of free and fair elections, then I'm all for it. I agree with them at that, on that point. Now, I likely won't share many of the same views politically as Williamson or RFK Jr., but I do like what they are saying in terms of how our election system has been hijacked And the fact that our officials are more selected than elected at this point, making it difficult to impossible for anybody to challenge them because the political parties are making sure that the incumbents aren't challenged. RFK Jr. has called out this fact also, and he's uh, smartly said that both parties are to blame, saying this, We're living in a time when there's a lot of Americans who believe our democracy is broken. And I think both political parties have to bend over backward to start restoring faith in democracy and election integrity. And he goes on to say, Americans think the entire system is rigged against them. And if the DNC goes through with this, that being not having a primary or having a primary date, not having primary debates, its plan to not debate, I think, will serve as an unfortunate confirmation to a lot of Americans that the system is indeed rigged. Absolutely. He's 100 percent correct. The DNC, by denying that 
but by denying the candidates a primary debate, are showing that they don't care about anything but power. They don't care about anything but their incumbents who give them the greatest chance because we all know it's hard to unseat an incumbent. Gives them the greatest chance to hold on to power, any power they have. They have their preferred, their preferred candidates in office and are more interested in power than the good of the American Republic. They don't care about preserving it. They only care about their own power. And you know what? The RNC is just as guilty of this. They're just as guilty. They might care more about freedom and liberty, or at least they say they do. But at the end of the day, they are just as guilty of holding on to incumbents and doing everything they can to make sure the incumbent stays in power to the detriment of our whole country to that to the detriment of the system and the integrity within our system now to be fair also the rnc didn't hold primary debates in 2020 there so there were challengers in a primary stage to donald trump you didn't hear anything about him because nobody's heard of them before and actually if you go look at the list i think three of them there were maybe a total of four two or three of them ended up backing biden and endorsing biden anyway uh, so i don't know what good they were as far as the republican goes but the, the RNC is not um, innocent here in this either. In fact, neither party has held primary debates while holding the Oval Office dating back to the Ford administration. So it's been, what, 50 years? It's been the last 50 years incumbents haven't, that have faced a primary challenge in a presidential election haven't had to debate. Both parties have squashed the, the primary debates. That is not good for the health of our republic. It just isn't. How can we have a democratic process without debate? How can we ensure that our, our, our process is working? How can we ensure we're getting the best possible candidates through to, to the election, to the general election, and then ultimately put in office? We can't do that if you have the political parties shutting down debate, which is what they're doing. And, and honestly, I've seen it as I've gone to, you know, a few Republican county caucuses here. I've seen incumbents, I've seen people in power try and shut down debate. Our elected officials are to go through a job interview at regular intervals, whether it's two years for the House, four years for the presidency, six years for the Senate, and then whatever it is at your state level, I think a lot of them are two or four years. They are to go through a regular job interview process in the form of an election campaign and us ultimately voting for them. How do we know if we still want them on the job if we don't have the chance to interview them? When's the last time you went and, and, and uh, got a job and didn't have to interview for it? Now, I know, okay, Ryan, they're putting out their ads, their literature, all that, but fine. That's all spin, right? They're only going to pick the, the good stuff. They're only going to pick what their marketing people tell them to pick to put on that campaign or to put in that ad. How do we know we want to keep them on the job if we don't have a chance to ask them questions live? How do we know? Uh, some of us, because not all of us follow everything political. So how do we know we want to do this? Well, it, we have to have these debates. A debate is part of that interview process. And they should be held. There should be primaries. Whenever there's a primary, there should be a debate. I don't care what level of office it is. And if the incumbent doesn't want to show up to the debate, that's on them. It just shows what they think of you then. It shows that they don't really care about you. They don't really care about interviewing for that job as your representative. 
And it shows that they don't really care about the republic. They don't care about democracy. They're just going to do what they want to do. Debates need to be held. It's good for the process, for the people to hear other ideas. You know, ultimately, you might go with the incumbent, but it's good to hear from other people. And those other people might be enough to push that incumbent in a different direction. Maybe putting their job on the line, because what happens when you put your job on the line? You perform better, or you try to anyway. Some people are successful, some aren't. A republic will only survive on the free exchange of ideas. This groupthink we've seen, and it's on both sides again, this groupthink we've seen from the Democrat Party, from the Republican Party, is, is going to cause the demise of our great country. The protecting of incumbents, especially incumbents that are just awful and incompetent, will cause the demise of our great country. That's how we've gotten to this point. We've protected incumbents, and we've, we've basically demanded that everybody subscribe to the group think of one party or the other. The whole point is to squash the free thinkers out there and it's to squash the free thinkers in the different political parties. And it's to squash them in favor of those who tow the party line. And that's what's causing the demise of our nation. We don't have that free exchange of ideas. Because if you offer up free exchange of ideas, you're shouted down. You offer up a free exchange of ideas, these incumbent politicians try and change the subject on you. However, I'll say this. I'm optimistic, though. I am optimistic. And I'm optimistic that people are, are waking up to the fact that the system is rigged against us. And I'm hopeful it will continue the movement forward to restore election integrity and the greatness of our country. I'm hoping this this DNC and very public DNC shutting down of a primary debate will be enough to wake up folks on the other side to say, look, the whole election system is rigged. I don't care that our guy got in office. It's obviously rigged because now we don't like our guys so much, but they're not going to let us hear from somebody else. The other piece of this is, though, it's going to take all of us. It's going to take us actually getting behind and actually voting for candidates who are willing to buck the party line and who are willing to do what's right for the country. We have to vote in candidates who are willing to call this out, stand against us, stand against it, not against us. We've got people in office already, and that's all they do is stand against us. Stand against it, that being the party line, and do what they were elected to do, which is to ensure and protect the Constitution, to uphold the Constitution, to protect our freedom and liberty. Friends, that's my show for today. Thank you for tuning in one last time. I can't express enough my gratitude for you all spending part of your day listening to what I've had to say and ramble on about over the last almost three years here. You have many choices out there in podcasts, and it's humbling to know that you chose my show out of the many others. I'll leave you with this. Our republic can be saved. I said I'm optimistic about it, but it will take each one of us. But it indeed can be done. Liberty isn't a given. We must fight to protect it, and working together, we will do just that. 